Hi, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back to the She Wakes Up at 5 a.m. podcast. I'm Kellyanne. And I'm Lindsay. And truly, we finished recording the last episode and then so many things happened. Yeah, when I text you what's in the episode, because I feel like so much has happened, but it was only the week prior. I felt like two weeks or three weeks had passed since we recorded. So that's what I was like, what? What's even in this episode? What did we even talk about? We literally hung up our like from our recording and then right. Megan was on a red carpet. <laughs> so like we were like, well, that's at least we know what we're talking about next week. How You went to a Tennessee Titans game. No, Texans. Houston Texans. Wait, I thought it's a I thought it says Titans on your jersey. Okay, in my defense, our screen is my screen is blurry, so I couldn't. <laughs> I thought it was Tennessee Titans. My bad. Um, well, it's funny that you say the Tennessee Titans because the Tennessee Titans used to be the Houston Oilers until they left. So you're not half wrong. Well, she's not like other girls. She's athletic. She knows history. <laughs> no, it was really good. We finally have a great quarterback and a great coach. Like, who would have thought that would be the case? Because if you know anything about Texan football, it is has not been pretty for us. So this is our first three game. I think it's three or four game winning streak since 2000. 2018. We played the Cardinals, but it was fun. My friend had has season tickets, and so she was just like, "Do you want to go?" I was like, "Of course, I'm always down for a sporting outing." I love that. Giants won today too. That was exciting for us. It's the second time we beat the Commanders. I think. Okay, so actually, I have something to talk about today. That it's not cool. I got my first pair of jeans from Abercrombie. I'm obsessed. Okay. I'm a curve, straight ankle. Oh. I know I'm very, very complicated. She's deep. She's layered. She's not. For Christmas, I was like, I said to my mom, I was like, what do you want? Like, well, she never knows. Because I always like, just, I'm always like gift cards. I'll just buy. But she was like, what do you want? And I was like, I actually really have heard great things about Abercrombie denim. And I really want like three good timeless pairs of jeans that are like a straight. And I have two pairs of jeans that are a straight fit, but they're much bigger sizes. So they're too big. And I've lost, I would say, almost like eight pounds in the last, mm, like a couple of months. I don't really weigh myself consistently. I just weighed myself when I came home and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, And I've gone down two sizes. So I need new denim. We literally went into Abercrombie and I grabbed one of every single type of fit. I found found a long, which is like insane because they don't carry longs in store. Mm -hmm. I think we're similar, but I have really long legs and I have a really short torso. So like ultra high waist is just my waist. Yes. It's up to your boobs. Well, so no, actually it's like just my waist. I don't, maybe it's not ultra high high waist, but the high waisted one is just like my regular waist. I can't do ultra high waist. Like where's the mid rise shortens me and it does not look good. Well, do you have a longer torso than me? No, I have a short torso. Weird. Cause whenever I wear high waist, I'm like, oh, this isn't high waist. It's just my waist. Cause my legs are so long. So I, but because my legs are so long, like the ankle straight is like the perfect width for my legs, but they were, t- the ankle straight were too short. They like looked hilarious because my legs are so long. So I had to get a long and I found a long in store, which, cause they don't carry longs in store. It was a return. So I was like, oh, okay, great. So I tried that on and I was like, perfect. And then I'm going to order the other two washes online for probably Black Friday or Cyber Monday, not probably Cyber Monday, but I was laughing because I have like, I have like a little pouch of gift cards that I like, it's where I keep them all so I don't lose them. And then I put the pouch in like a dresser drawer. So like I don't, it doesn't burn a hole in my pocket, but the off, like the other side of that is that I forget about them. So I literally brought it with me and I was like, let me, I don't even know what's on these like Visa gift cards. Let me look. The jeans ended up costing me $2.20. Amazing. (laughs) And my mom was with me and she was like, I got it. I was like, okay. Oh my god! Okay, so I'm gonna order two more pairs. I think I want to. I have like a. It's like a little bit of like a mid to light wash, and then I want to order like a dark wash, and then I want to order a black. Mm, I, need, yeah. I need new ones. None of mine. All of mine are too big. I was between that and the '90s straight curve love ones, but I ended up really liking the ankle ones. So yeah. So those are that's that was my Abercrombie and Fitch story. And now I'm a, I'm a re- I'm a rewards member. Yeah, I'm a rewards member. I have the app. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Abercrombie's newest fan. So the thing about Abercrombie and Fitch is like, and I'm sure you relate to this too, like it was huge in high school. Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's where the rich kids shopped. Yeah. 
that's where the rich kid shopped. And my mom, like in her infinite wisdom, like now I can understand it. But like the also the quality of clothing when we were in high school was not what it is now. So like my mom would see these like flimsy t-shirts with like a surfboard on them and be like, absolutely not. I'm not spending $39 on this. Like you are still growing. Like I'm not doing it. It was so expensive. It was so expensive. Yeah. Like Hollister was a little bit cheaper. So that's where I got my clothes. Me too. And always in the sales section. So that was like my back to school Christmas splurge. We went, it was either, it was Nordstrom's and then Hollister because Hollister, we didn't have a Hollister at the time. So because we would go to the Galleria, it's a much bigger mall with much more stores. My brother worked at the Hollister. Oh, amazing. And so we would go and like bug him because he would be outside because he was a model. That That's what they called him, models. And then- Hilarious. Um, because I worked at Abercrombie & Fitch for one day. I was going through loss and prevention in the back and I like remember leaving that day. I'm like, I'm not doing this. If, if, if anyone's seen, I think it's called White Hot. Yeah. It's the documentary on Hulu, I think, about Abercrombie and Fitch. You should watch it because it is crazy. I like really wrote them off when I was in college. I was like, I don't appreciate the messaging. I don't appreciate the culture. I don't appreciate how it made me feel like it did. You know, in high school, I wasn't, my parents were, were comfortable, but we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination. And my dad, very against paying a lot of money for like poor quality clothing. Like he was very much, like I always have had instilled in me, like you don't spend money on clothing unless it will last you like five plus years. So it was very much against what my parents believed in. So they would not shop there for me. And um, like a year ago, my friend Mary was like, you know what's really like killing it is Abercrombie. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right. Okay, boomer. Sure. Whatever. And then she was wearing like a really cute dress to a bridal shower like a couple months later. And I was like, this is so cute. Where's it from? She's like Abercrombie. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I walked in there today to try on jeans and I was like, wait, I love everything in this store. Why does it feel like they made the store for 30 year olds? What's happening? Why does it feel? It's so cute. I want to try. I want to get a bodysuit. Um, some of their bodysuits look really cute too. Yeah. My trench coat came from there. It was really nice. Yeah. They had some good coats. I don't need, I'm like coated out. I have so many coats, but I, um, I like their sweaters and I like their, they have like a really cute trouser too that I'm, I'm trying on. I also, I mean, the total opposite. I, I, have you ever heard of cider? No. I think it's fast fashion. So like, don't come for me, but, um, it's an app and they have like, it's like, they call themselves Gen Z's like top place for clothing anyway. Um, but I bought two like really cute, uh, bodysuits from there that are like, they're like asymmetrical. So like one comes, you can't see it on the podcast, but it's like, it's like what comes off the shoulder and it's like ruched. I got two of those and then I got trousers and then I got, um, earrings. So we'll see how that goes. Cause I need like, I, the re- part of the reason for me looking for a new denim is because I need uh, something to wear to auditions that isn't like the one pair of jeans that I wear to every audition that are like – they're like a really dark wash and they're sort of distressed and they're kind of cropped because they're so distressed and it's just like not working for me. So I need like a normal length. Anyway, this was a very long dissertation, 10 minutes about me and my jean problem, but here we are. So I'm shopping at Cider. I'm shopping at Abercrombie. Oh, did you ever – have you downloaded Laps? I did, but it was getting on my nerves, so I deleted it. So, okay, for anybody who doesn't know, Laps is an app that is like a disposable camera. So all of your photos have like the look of a disposable camera. I don't really know the ins and outs of it, but everybody can like react. It's sort of like Instagram, but like for disposable camera photos. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm like, I'm enjoying it right now, um, but if it annoys me, I'll delete it. I think I just need to turn off the like the, like, the notifications. Oh, yeah. But- I get notifications all the time. I'm like, can you chill? I got to turn them off. So yeah, that's that's been my new fun thing to play with is laps <laughs> and at Abercrombie. <laughs> I've been really into the Rode lip tint in Toast. Been wearing that a lot. I wear – listen, I know people like crap on Hailey Bieber a lot, but I use that lip tint every single – I use her lip peptide everything, her lip thing every single day. Every se- seven days a week I use that thing on my face. On my lips specifically, not just on my face. Yeah, the the glazing milk. I love that product so much. I'm almost out, which means I need to reorder it. Yeah, I use that. I use that probably four or five times a week too. That's a really good one. I use it like twice a day. I recommend it actually over her serum. I think it's better. Yeah, yeah. There's so much, and it lasts for a really good bit. I like her serum, but there's not enough product, and I find I've had three of them, and I find they have the same problem. They work really well for like two weeks, and then. Like with the way the product distributes in the, the way the packaging is sh- is shaped, it like doesn't come out the pump. So then I end up having to open it and like dig and that's such a pain in the butt. So I – Yeah. 
I'm I'm a glazy milk girly. I wish that they would fix the packaging or like put it in a tube or something like. So this is our Thanksgiving episode. We're going to talk about things that we're thankful for. We're going to talk about Megan and we're going to talk about The Crown part one because Lindsay and I have both finished it. We have a lot of thoughts. But first and foremost, our girl is outside. When I tell you I screamed, I'm screaming. I was, I was like, we're back. Sorry, I'm just yelling. I'm, not, I'm sorry, screaming. It was like nine o'clock my time or something crazy. And I literally could not go to bed. I was like, I'm, it's midnight. I was looking, I was refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. It was just so good. I, was, I did not expect that. I mean, like we, I should have expected it because we just saw her. Yeah. Even though I think it was, they posted that later. I think it was from like the week before. It was, she was seen out with mm-hmm. a friend in Montecito shopping. And then we saw her like the next day, I think. What I love so much about what she, the way that she has approached red carpets in the last, I would say, year or so, is like it's such a less is more approach. I would say since the Robert F. Kennedy Awards, it's such a less is more approach. Mm-hmm. There's nothing gaudy about it. Like it's she's it's so minimalist. It's just her, and I think it's. I mean, she looked unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like she's done such a great job at creating a slideshow moment. I would say, like, I noticed the biggest pivot since the Robert F. Kennedy Award. Yeah. That white dress with the slicked back bun to every single one of her carpet events from the for carpet, I used it with air quotes, but like every single one of her like event events have been such a standout, such a lesson in how to, how to let yourself shine through instead of letting what you're wearing wear you. Right. Like it's so, it, I mean, like the dress was beautiful, but like every, it was about her. Like she looked unbelievable. Big clean girl energy, big like Sophia Richie, quiet luxury. It was gorgeous. It kind of reminded me of the the BFAs, uh, the, the British Fashion Awards where she wore that uh-huh. asymmetrical black dress with this look like yes. when she was pregnant with Archie. Which you said, I think, in another episode that you felt like that was the one, that was the look that felt the most like her. Oh, yeah. And I agree. So clear that that event was, she got crucified for it. But I remember seeing that and being like, oh, that's her. Like that is. With the black nail polish and everything. Yeah, it was just, she just appeared and, you know, I, I think she, she wasn't even on the guest list apparently. Because last year, if people were, remember um this was before we started the podcast which was kind of crazy to think about she was supposed to be at this event last year she was because she was on the cover i think they did like four different covers for different like honorees Mm -hmm. and they had to delay her cover because of the queen's passing so um the queen passed in september and the cover came out in october yes so this was kind of like her redemption carpet i guess like she that that was something that she was supposed to be at and be honored for so it was cool that she just came there to support the people there because she, she wasn't being honored she wasn't giving yes a speech or anything she was just there to support she was literally a guest yeah, yeah which was really cool to see because everything that we've seen her and she's being given a speech or an award or something yeah. so it's it was cool to see that and her to be around like people that like are technically were her peers at one point, and um, she took questions on the carpet. I was shocked. Yeah, same. I was shocked. She's giving interviews. I was like, "This." Is, I was like, "Okay, all right, we're something." Okay, that means something is coming. Yes. So we've been saying this for months. We have. Like something's coming. Something's coming. But something is capital I S. <laughs> yeah, she's talking. Like if she's talking, something is coming. I have this conspiracy theory. Don't you love these? I always love bringing them up. I have a conspiracy theory that instead of a holiday card, we'll get her Instagram. And that's how she'll release it. Could you imagine? That, what a move. Like I would lose my ever-loving mind. <laughs> and like it was just cool to see because I was on Twitter or whatever, X. Like there was like people um like in the industry or like people that have like a pop culture presence were like really happy to see her and then they were like rave like the I believe the viewership on that reel that variety put on their page is at like 2.3 million viewers it's nothing new no it's nothing new she's always been able to drive traffic people say oh nobody cares yeah right oh they are caring they're making a clear line as themselves as individuals and and like what they do individually and what they do together because we just saw they just did um this event for veterans in San Diego. Obviously that was with Archwell and they're supporting them and all that stuff. So that's something that they're doing together. You know, Harry has his stuff, whichever 
whatever that is. Well, the, the, like the veteran stuff is his stuff, but she, but that's part of their things together within Archwell. Yeah. He has like Invictus and mental health and his investments and the, like the, the, uh, companies he's on the boards for and stuff. She has her own things. And then they, they, they come together on stuff for veterans. They come together on stuff with kids on the internet specifically. Yeah. You're right. They're slowly but surely sort of crafting the pillars of what they will continue to build, I think. They have some stuff in the pipeline for the new year, which is really exciting because the strike is over. I, I truly believe the reason why we haven't seen her do like announce anything because of the strike. Because yeah, I think I so agree. much of what they are tied to is with like their production co- company and everything and in promoting things during the strike will probably would have been like maybe insensitive. I don't know. Um, well, they're, I don't think they're allowed to. No. Yeah. But I mean, like if they, if she was doing like, I don't know, releasing the, the TIG 2, 2.0 or whatever, you know, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm so ha- happy to see her. I was so happy to see her take a picture with Garcelle because if anyone knows, Andy Cohen said during BravoCon, because he was being asked a question like who, like, I think who would you want to be a housewife? And she was like, I would love to have Meghan Markle as a housewife and we would just create a show around her yeah he, oh he was gosh, like it would just be mad. her like that was it and but obviously that's never gonna happen no of course not but it was cool to see because garcelle's a legend like she is on the housewives of beverly hills but she has been an actress and she's not new for a very long time and go look it up the resume is deep so it was cool and then um this one girl i don't know her name but she took a picture with her and she posted it on her instagram and it was just so sweet like well, the fact that she was mingling with influencers tells me that she that Tig is returning. It has to. It has to. It was just like these candid photos. I'm like, <gasps> and someone on Twitter was like, "Get this girl on Vogue.com. Get ready with me. Show me your bathroom now. <laughs> I want to see the closet. I want to see the skincare shelf shelves. I want to see it all. I, I I'm ready. Let's go." I'm Let's go. very, very excited. I really want the partnership with Sophia Richie. I really want, I really, Sophia Richie's doing the most. Like I, I really want that. I think that would be, that would make so much sense. They both have British husbands. They're both biracial. They both come from L, they're both from LA. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Come on, Sophia. Oh, today's the one year anniversary for Naomi Biden's wedding. Oh yeah. Which you sent me the reel, but I don't know if the people know. Oh, I cried. I'll never get over it. It was so good. That wedding was stunning. She is beautiful. I gasped the first around that time. Last year, I was like, oh my God. I think this is going to sound weird. And I do, not as her, I, I like purely mean on aesthetics alone. Like Naomi Biden is like what Vivian Kensington in Legally Blonde would be now. Oh, yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like she's like, like old money. New England, even though she, they're from Delaware. Mm-hmm. Not that Peter Neal is Warner. <laughs> that's not what I mean. No. But like that's – I feel like if they re, if they remade Legally Blonde the way that they're remaking Me Girls, that would be the aesthetic of Vivian Kensington now. And then I think like Elle Woods would be like Alex Earl. <laughs> oh, my God. I watched – I finished watching – sorry, it's off topic. I finished watching last night, if anyone doesn't know, um, Tyler Perry has this documentary out on Amazon Prime or – Amazon, Amazon video, whatever it's called. Prime video. Prime video. Wow. Yep. Um, it is, I knew a lot of his story because I grew up watching his plays like on DVD. Um, that was like something we did at Thanksgiving with family, like, and like Medea has been around forever. And he is one of the great American dream stories, truly self-made from literally from the bottom up, used to be homeless, lived in his car, and now is like the fact that he has the biggest movie studio in the country. He outdid Sony, Universal, Warner Brothers, and the fact that he's a black man that owns a movie studio from an industry that really turned its nose on him. They didn't understand. His movies was number one in the box office, all the things, and people in Hollywood didn't know who he was. Literally everything he's made has been from his own, not everything, but like in the early days from his own pocket. It's just, it was an incredible story and seeing all of the sound stages named after iconic black actors and actresses and 
especially in a time where they said he is a soundstage for Sidney Poitier. And he said he was crying because he was like, I think he like got off stage and hugged Oprah and Oprah was like, like, what are you feeling right now? He was like, the things I'm feeling is I was the only black person allowed on set at Warner Brothers. Wow. And now he has a studio named after him. Um, so it is a very moving, inspiring story. How he works is, is, is insane. Like they shoot an episode a day. Holy crap. Wow. For all of his shows. He's like, I don't have money to waste. I don't the whole like oh let's figure out this and we should have he said you should have figured it out a long time ago like we have to keep it moving. It's a very interesting style. He works very quickly. Um, he shot he shot I think the last Medea movie in like ten days or something insane. That's incredible too. I mean like wow. Like he moves quick and he gives a lot of people chances. Like the land the studio's on it used to be a con- an army Confederate base. And so he had to actually buy the actual land from the U.S. government. And it's – I don't even know what that was like. It's some like $3 billion to do. And and it's in like a really – one of the poorest areas in Atlanta. And so he's like, I wanted it here because I wanted little black boys and girls to have something to look up to and inspire like – Yeah. And be in like the proximity of and like be able to – Yeah. Yeah gives a lot of his time to people and really help people. And obviously like he helped Harry and Megan, like he's Lily's godfather. Um, he's just a very generous person. He's really trying to make a difference. And I have a friend who um, was casted in one of his shows and like, he's like, he's, he really just takes chances on people. Like people that have like a guy that was a security guard at his other studio. I don't know if he got in contact with him or he like, you know, they were in passing and he was just like, he's like, Hey man, like, you know, like, what do you want to do with your life? And he was like, I really want to direct. And he's like, okay. Wow. And so the next day he was on set when he was being a security guard for the studio the the day before. And so he just worked his way up. I don't know anybody who would do that. Yeah. Just taking chances on people because no one took a chance on him. Anyways, uh, check it out. It's called Maxine's baby. It's, uh, it's, pretty much dedicated to his mom because his mom passed away. Um, And it's a really good, great, great story and really inspiring. Oh, and I started Buccaneers, which is on Apple. Um, It's the period piece that I told you about, I think we talked about last time. It, the first episode, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I just kept going. I'm just like, like the, this past week's episode, I was screaming it is so good. It's so good. And I and it's hard for me. I don't know. Period pieces with Americans don't work for me. I don't know what it is, but like I just think all period pieces in that time in that time period needs to have a British accent. So for me, uh, okay, that's why you didn't like Gilded Age. Got it. Yeah, I could not. I was like, what is got this? Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Oh, but I okay. I think you should give it another chance, but okay. Uh, but okay, we'll we'll go back to that. Back to back to Buccaneers. Sorry. Yeah, but it's so cool. Okay, good. And it's like I, but I mean, they have British actors, so it's about like this girl. Like basically, it's it's very true, but it's not necessarily a true story. I, I don't think it's a true story. Um, but basically, in the eighteen hundreds, it's like Civil War time, New York high society. No one was going after the men, I think, in that area or that time. Like they were all trying to go overseas to England because majority of like the dukes and the earls and all of them didn't have the money, but they had the title. They would go over there to do like debutantes and stuff to get chosen so they can get themselves into because they had the money but they didn't have the title so they needed both and basically it was a contractual like agreement basically in terms of like the man needed them because of the money and the woman needed the title to coincide with the money because it's actually still reigns true today doesn't matter how much money they called them the new money oh yeah over there are you sure you didn't like gilded age it's the same thing i know i needed to give it a try because i that the same feeling i got the first episode of gilded age is the same thing i got so I'll have to give it a try. Okay. But 
<laughs> but anyways, so it's like it's very much true today. Of just it, it, everything goes back to Harry and Meghan because they don't like, cele- like even watching the David Beckham documentary. Like society is like you have to be born into it. So it's mm-hmm. very good. It's it has a lot of layers. Um, but if you've watched it, let me know because okay. Cool. I will give it a shot. At first, I was like, I don't know, because like I sometimes I don't like when they mix like popular like today culture within like period pieces, especially like music. I'm like, really? This is what we're and they're like how how they're dancing. I'm like, this is not correct. You mean like you mean like Bridgerton? You mean like Bridgerton? No, but Bridgerton like at least they have like a string quartet like. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. But this I see. is not. You know what? Strings. You know who I feel like does that. You know who I feel like does that, and I, I actually could not get through the series. Is Dickinson? I didn't watch that. It's a it's a period piece about Emily Dickinson on Apple TV, I think. And I they didn't. I think they used, if I remember correctly, someone will tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they used like contemporary pop music in it. And I was like, it took me right out of the story. Like I was like, no. It's not like a Bridgerton that they're using popular songs like an instrumental on strings. It's weird indie rock something. I'm like, what is this? And like they're dancing and anyways, it's just weird. Um, but it's really, really good. Wait. <laughs> so speaking of eight, like 80s rock music. When I was in, I was in Maryland this past week to visit my best friend and her family. And um, I had to set a piece for uh, a dance studio. Her dance. So, okay. So quick brag on my best friend, Mallory. She started her own musical theater program at 24 Dance Studio in Frederick, Maryland. The program has like grown and now she has like a ton of kids of all ages and she does such a good job. She like literally teaches these kids like a whole musical in a week and then they perform at the end of the week. Like it's next level. She's so talented and has built this program literally from scratch. So I went to set a piece for them. But while I was there, uh, we watched Diana the Musical. (laughs) The long pause. (laughs) Okay. So like, (laughs) so like I have a history. It looked bad. It looked bad. Okay. So I have a, Mallory was like, we have to watch it. And I was like, okay. And so the the back my backstory with this is that when I was on tour with cats, my roommate and I tried to watch it on like a long bus day, and we made it through I think eight minutes and thirty eight seconds of it before we literally turned it off because we were like, this is. And the thing is, like the actors are actually giving great performances. Like the girl who played Diana is amazing. She's like twenty seven ballads for some reason. So like vocally, it's like a it's like kind of a trek. Um, the guy who plays Prince Charles and the guy who plays Camilla, they're they're great. The the writing of the I just hit my microphone. The writing of the show is a so inaccurate, and b like the costumes and the wigs are also like wrong. Like the queen is brunette. It like it's and like she was brunette, but like at the age that they show her, like there's no world in which that woman had that dark of hair. Like it's just it was and like the guy they cast as prince charles was like he looks like he's like 63 like he's so tall <laughs> and like camilla was great like the performances of the actors the acting was incredible um they were all really good but the show itself is like and and a lot of the lighting effects with the flash bulbs and stuff were really really cool <laughs> that's about it <laughs> that's there were so many ballads they kept like diana had so many ballads i was like there's there were like six in Act One. I was like, Jesus! <laughs> I was like, she's tired. Isn't she tired? Like it was. It was interesting. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, on the topic of that, uh, the Crown Part One dropped a couple days ago. It did. And uh, we have. I think there's six episodes left in the whole series. I wonder what where they're gonna pick up from in Part Two. You didn't see the preview. I did see the preview, but like. I wonder, like, at which point, like... I think they're just going to just do a time jump. It's just going to go right to when William goes to St. Andrews. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know who who makes the decisions behind how they choose how to tell this story. I felt like they did... And I, I said this too, but I'm I'm going to repeat myself. The I feel like they did a really great... Diana is a very hard person to understand. Um, she's incredibly flawed. She was incredibly human. And she was portrayed in such a specific way through the press from the time that she was 19 to the time that she was 36. So 
I feel like it's so hard. Like, and the book was was very like tumultuous and her her like um Andrew Morton book, I mean. The whole thing was very tumultuous and like the relationship was very much like led to the narrative in the press and people thought they knew things and they did it and she she was sort of like portrayed there we go as like a hoe after she got divorced even though she was like very much just like living her life as a single woman who was divorced i thought that yeah. they did such a fantastic job at explaining her as a human being and i don't know i mean you know this cuz i literally texted you like i was like i did not expect so when diana died i was 6 and uh, my parents were huge fans of the Queen. Yeah. My parents were not huge fans of Diana. I think they just kind of like my mom. I remember my mom saying like when I was little, she was like, yeah, she was like they were married and it was horrible. She's like they were so mismatched and, and it made no sense. They didn't like Charles either. I never grew up with like the idolization of Princess Diana. Like I really didn't. I was like, OK, yeah, I know who she is. I'm her. She has two sons. I'm really way more interested in them. And I think watching it like – from my point of view now, I'm 33, so I was only three years younger than her when she died. I feel like they did such a great job at explaining her through the lens of how old she was and, like, how it feels as a woman to, like, be in your 30s and, like, hit your stride and, like, finally feel like you know who you are and what you want and how to, like, articulate that. And I was so I was so struck by it because it's, like, she was so young and she was just trying to, like – stay above water and she was just trying i mean of course the crown is fictional we know blah blah blah. but like peter jackson puts a lot of effort into making sure it's as factual as possible i think watching her like navigate the dodie stuff and and being a mother and and also like being literally hunted i just was so heartbroken like by the by the way that it all happened and like even the crash like i didn't really know much about this sounds crazy, but I didn't really know much about her death. Like I knew that it was in a tunnel. I knew that they were going really fast. I knew that the driver had had some drinks um, and I knew that he was killed instantly and she was brought to the hospital and I knew the press was involved. And I watched it with my mom and seeing how the press photographers, like this woman was killed in a tunnel in a car crash and they still continue to shoot photos. I don't know. I just like really couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, that's I don't, I don't know that that would happen. I mean, maybe it would. I don't know. But like it was – I was like, that's sick. This woman is is like God knows what she looked like in that car. Like and you're taking photos and like where did those photos end up? Like just mm-hmm. like, oh, it just like made me feel like so queasy. It was horrible. And then, you know, having to tell her sons and oh, just like it was – and the scene – I think I told you this, that like the scene before Charles and the boys left for Balmoral – I don't, I mean, like I said, I don't know how factual it is, but I thought it was so generous of the writers to give them that. Like, what a beautiful idea that they had decided to, like, be very good co-parents and put, like, their, not, like, put their relationship stuff away because, like, Camilla was very much still a present part of everybody's life and Diana still very clearly had her own feelings about her. I thought, like, having that, like, that conversation, the writing was so generous of them to give to both of them, to give to both Prince Diana and Prince Charles. Yeah. um, A little bit different in terms of my knowledge of her. I watched the funeral with my mom when I was younger. Like, I mean, well, kind of. I was asleep, but I woke up to go to the bathroom and I remember at the top of the stairs, I see the TV on my mom's sobbing. I think we have this People magazine issue because my aunt is in it, but the cover is Diana. So it's like on our coffee table. And then like I had the Elton John, like candle in the wind, like sheet music. Like I was, were, uh, I was very big, was very big Princess Diana fan because, because we're a couple months old. I was a couple months older than you. So I was seven when she died. I, Loved her. So I've watched see things. I've watched every single Diana documentary out there. I've listened. There's a Diana podcast that was done. I don't know if it was CNN. Oh, it was CNN. Um, they did a Diana podcast and they went through like different stages of her life or whatever, which it's really interesting. And then like I have the book and, you know, I watched The Queen, the movie The Queen. Like I've literally seen it all and all the takes and everything and, you know, reading Spare. So I I'm very critical when it comes to Diana, or especially this period of her life, because I remember it. And I know a lot of people, obviously older than us, lived it. 
I have my issue with the last two seasons of The Crown is like it's too familiar. I felt I feel like we haven't sat with it long enough because I you feel like the death of Diana is yeah, too familiar because I feel like it is she's still talked about like she's alive today. So um, she's kind of like an immortal figure. There's a new documentary every year. There's some new revelation. There's new recordings of her. So it's like something new is always coming out. And I feel like they won't let this woman just just die and just nobody can. Well, you know why? Because nobody can decide who she was. Yeah. And, and, and that's what my issue is, is because no one has wrote a story of how powerful and strong she was. And it's, it feels like she's constantly being victimized. And there, there, there isn't a story told of like her having fun and like her being a little wild and crazy. And, you know, it's always not saying that the, this other side isn't factual because it was, but it makes the audience feel like she really couldn't do anything for herself or she couldn't save herself. Or I think she was all capable of all those things, but the story, those stories have not been told because that's, we remember her being the one who was cheated on, the one who was left, the one who was abandoned and the one who was killed in a car crash. So like her entire adulthood was pretty much victimized in the press. And I don't think that was completely her whole story. And I wish like someone would take a different, not, not necessarily the crown because it's supposed to be about the Royal family and historically accurate, but I wish someone would take the, the, you know, cause even in the movie Spencer, that was like a horror movie. Yeah. But it was shot that way on purpose. Yeah, I know. But it, it but at the same time, I'm just like, I wish like someone will take some sort of creative liberty to like take a different direction. Yeah, no, I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. I think, I think like for a lot of people, the, the attraction to Diana is that she is so human and that she was so mm-hmm. flawed, those things are, are what made people connect to her. Um, but I do see your point. I think it never comes – one never comes without the other. Right. Like, they never talk – they don't never – they never talk about, you know, her, like, asserting herself to the queen without her bulimia. Or they never talk to you – know, they never talk about, like, you know, her post-HRH life without talking about how she was hunted. Like, but I also don't know – I don't know that it would do her a service to tell this story that way because – I don't think you can talk about how strong she was without talking about what she was overcoming. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what that would look like. Yeah. I just, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a whole full-fledged like retelling. It just, I would like to see some sort of piece done about her life of her just having fun and like how she was, you know, outside of this bubble because she did like, you know, she would go to New York and she would go to LA and she had like friends and well she had a great sense of humor right she was very she was a huge prankster yeah and I think they showed a little bit of that on the crown but definitely not not in terms of like in comparison to the other stuff you're right yeah yeah and I just feel like you know it's a looming we know what's what's going to happen to her but I had a very interesting take with this season because I didn't know how they were going to show the death because Peter Jackson did the queen and they did not show anything. It, it, they, the beginning scene is her, is the queen being woken up, um, by a phone call. Obviously there's other things. I feel like we know so much about that day and we know so much about that accident. We've seen it. We've seen the funeral. The footage is on the internet. Like that, that's how, recent it is because we you can actually upload it now. So I just did not know how we were going to see it because it, it is so somewhat fresh. I mean, the last 30 years, I was a little bit like, I don't know. I loved the acting was superb. Like all, everyone did an amazing job. Like Amelda Staunton's my favorite. I was like, wow, next level. Yeah. And people don't like Dominic West, but I actually disagree. I don't think he was his best season. Last season was not it. No, but I do think like, I think like this part one is some of his best work this whole series. Yeah, because his emotional range is, this season for him is probably his best, even though last season was his first season. Yeah. But, and then Elizabeth 
Debicki is forget it. Like no contest. There she's it's so good. It's like watching Diane. It's it I was like, oh my God. Like Yeah. Just watching her like physical work is 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 insane. Like she's just no notes. <laughs> like no no notes. Like how they rea- how they recreated the the boat scene yeah. of her in that like teal and purple lime green swimsuit i'm just like my gosh like they just hit the nail on the on the head on that one yeah agreed the the yeah the performances are top notch it i think my issue with it's because i feel like it is so fresh and i feel like i know so much and it's so like i'm very aware and so i want it to be told correctly do you feel like it wasn't um i just I, the thing is i don't know what i wanted it to be because I feel yeah. like I know it. So it's like, how do you watch something that you already know? Because I, I feel like- for Well, the there's be- nothing new they could have told you. Right. And so for, I think for me, why I love the earlier seasons is because so much I did not know because obviously I was not alive and I didn't really study all those things before. Yeah. So it was like learning new things. So watching this, I'm not learning anything new and it's like- yeah. I'm watching someone try to recreate something that that's you really can't re, re like recreate in my opinion. Um especially like the, this part 2, I feel I don't like getting in like the early 2000s. I'm like I lived those like this is not like we were in no, middle school. And I'm like this is so weird. Um I don't know how I'm going to feel about watching it because I feel like it's just so close to the present. I have mixed feelings about part two because mm, for a couple of reasons the first being like i know william and kate were to get like it's it feels like a weird choice to talk about one of the brothers and his wife and not the other but i also don't see how they could have done harry and megan because it's so recent like you want to talk about recent but also like i kind of and it's still continuing too yeah like i kind of wish i don't know i maybe i wish that they had just finished out the Diana stuff and then ended it. Like I don't I don't think I needed William and Kate, but who knows? I might love it. I don't know. I can see why they did it because they're trying to usher in the new in like the new Yeah. royal family or the new face or what who would be. Yeah. Especially, you know, it, the queen has been around for so long, so it's kind of like a foreshadowing of like what is to come. You know, we already know what's to come because we're already here. I'm curious if they'll allude to anything not like allude to I'm I'm curious if they'll allude to anything because right now it looks like part two is very William focused, which makes sense because it's called the crown. Mm-hmm. So like it would focus on the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm very curious if they'll touch Harry's relationships at all. Like I'm not even talking about Megan, I'm talking about like Chelsea Davy or like Cressida. Right. Or ha- if they'll even touch Harry at all in terms of like the drugs and like the partying and the I'm trying to think if if William was in St. Andrews, how how far apart are they in age? Like three years? Something like that. I mean, I think Harry was still in school. Yeah. So he was at um, Eaton. Yes. Eaton. So I'm curious to see if they'll touch Harry at all. Um, to me, it's the safer choice to not. But it's also they gave Princess Margaret such an arc. One of my favorite characters. So my thing is like, eh, it feels a little bit like a, not a dig, but like a choice, like an intentional choice to like not really touch Harry with temper pull. I will say, speaking of Harry, this scene, so apparently, and you told me this, I'm not, this is not my, but Peter Jackson did not read Spare before creating the crown, which is honestly a really great choice because if we're going to focus on facts, like right. you don't want to, I understand that. Um, that being said, <laughs> the scene where Charles wakes up Harry was identical to what's in Spare. Yeah. Like he didn't, he like literally patted him on the shoulder. And like, was like, sorry, buddy. Not, I mean, he didn't say that. He was much more, it was not intimate. It was, there was no hugging. Like, and it was interesting to me that that's how the crown portrayed it too, because it's like, wow, he was right. And then all the televisions being taken out of the room, like that was also in spare. And like, I had a couple of moments where, and like, to be honest, it was, it wasn't few and far between, but there were a couple of moments where I was thinking about Harry and I thought about, um, I thought about the fact that. Those scenes were so similar to what was portrayed in his book, but then I also really thought about them during the chases in Paris when she kept trying to leave the Ritz. I was like instantly brought back to New York when she was there for the um, Women of 
Women of Vision. Is that what it is? Yeah. Women of Vision Award. And they got um, tailed in New York. Um, and I I told you this too. I was like, what, like the way that Prince Philip was like, well, they're not in the family anymore. I wonder, I've had two thoughts. My first one is I wonder if like God forbid this were to ever happen again, if they would behave differently. And my other thought is I wonder if that's not, not that this is like why, but like they still have their HRH. They just don't use it. And I wonder if like God forbid, if it's just like, not just for them, but like for anyone, I wonder if it's just like a safety clause that they just, they keep the HRH, even if they don't use it, like in case God forbid something happens to somebody else. Like not that, not that it would just be Megan or Harry. Like, I mean like Beatrice, Eugenie, like all of them. I'm, I'm curious if that was like a a correction that was made after Diana died. Mm-hmm. But like, I just remember thinking, watching this, and my, my mom said this too. She was like, this reminds me so much of Harry and Meghan about how like, how the access that people feel to them because, you know, they're not in the family anymore and they feel like they have all this access to have an opinion about it. And, and, and the way that the, the way that Diana handled the press, like, okay, I'll give you these photos on the beach, but like, or on the boat, but then you have to leave us alone. Like, and the way that, Harry and Meghan were not willing to play that game and how that's how it got so nasty. Oh, it just like makes it like makes me short of breath. Like I just it would just break my I mean, thank God they moved to the US because who knows where we'd be if they had tried to stay in Windsor. It would not be good. Um no, it'd be really bad. Especially with like the byline times that came out that they were trying to get Harry to retract the name of the person that works for them. And he didn't, which that's how they took away his security. And when they did that, they thought that it would make him want to stay. And it didn't. It backfired on them, actually. It's coming out like that whole piece is insane. Um, And it's people are starting to wake up that he wasn't lying by the reporting. And I always knew, I mean, I've always knew that he was telling the truth and the truth will always come out eventually. Um, so he, he can get crucified now, but I'm telling you, like there's going to be another crown of some sort down the road and they're going to retell this story and it's, we're going to have more information. I guarantee you. And it's not going to be pretty. Yep. But anyways, the crown, it's It's uh, still great. I, I, I think it's because it's so close yeah, I'm so interested to see how they portray Kate and William's like relationship and if they're I'm trying to think how to say this. If if how if, how flattering it is. I'm very interested to see how that's portrayed because they had a little bit of a rough go of it for a while, especially with the breakup halfway through and then so I'm interested to see how that is handled too. And he wasn't really too keen on getting married, it seemed like. No. It wasn't that he wasn't too keen on getting married, but I think he wasn't too keen on getting married right away. And like she waited, I mean, she waited what, like 10 years? I would be like, I don't know if I'd be like, bye, because he's the Prince of England, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I mean, I've also recently just been dealing with some boy drama, so I, I'm not in a good place to make a, a conversation about this with a good headspace, but I don't know if I, I mean, at, at this moment in time, I'm not waiting for a single person, but uh, I don't know if I was in her position, what I would do. Carol Middleton positioned her and probably talked her into waiting. Oh, we're going to get I so don't much care. <laughs> Um, I really do. And the thing is like, okay. People don't like to believe that Kate was a social climber, but. I mean, you don't go to <laughs> St. Andrews because you want a good education. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody likes to put like the thing about Kate is that she is, she doesn't really have, she's quiet. And we've talked about this in the podcast before, but Kate is notoriously, um, not the most opinionated princess. So, uh, it's easy for the public to port like project their views and opinions about her onto her as fact, because there's nothing there's nothing uh, to the contrary because she doesn't speak. So aside from like speeches about um, the causes that she fights, well, the causes that she supports, which um, really don't say much. I'm sorry. They don't. I'm not trying to be rude. Like if you read the transcripts of her speeches, it's just word salad. None of it has any 
substance. And I'm not like really not trying to be rude. And like there are people in the UK who love that about the royal family and that's why they enjoy them and they don't want it to be they don't want it to be changed. I don't feel that way. Um, and we've talked I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face, but I do believe that William and Kate have an opportunity to bring the monarchy into the modern world and they don't take it. But that is a whole other podcast. Anyway, so so a lot of people have always their first reflex is when people go after beloved Kate Middleton is that or Princess of Wales is that there could never be anything wrong with her. She could never have anything but the purest and most innocent of intentions. And the reality is, is that like the former princess of Wales, she is just as human and just as infallible and just as flawed. Right. She just hides it better. Yeah. It's funny because class is such a thing in the UK and, you know, they keep, you know, they said, oh, she's this middle-class girl. Like middle-class <laughs> in America is Hilarious. like, it's, it's like I'm middle-class. Okay. This girl, her family has, they're millionaires. Yeah. So she was not, so growing up, not growing up, but like in college, like whenever they got together and like when they, um, when they got married, you know, it was like, she's a middle-class girl. And then, um, as I've gotten older, I'm like, she's not middle-class, but that's what they call people. Like, it doesn't matter how rich you become again, going back to the David Beckham thing, like they still call him middle-class and he's. Yeah. A multi-millionaire could be a billionaire because he owns a soccer team now. It doesn't matter how much money you make, like you are based on your status of how you were raised. And you you can be from the aristocracy and have literally no money to your name, but you are still you'll still have your title. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Nothing. It's an interesting conversation. It is. And it drives me nuts. But yeah, it's it, I will be interested to see if they even touch on their wedding or allude to their wedding. Like, I don't know how far we're getting for like, are we, are we getting an engagement or are we just... I don't know. I have no idea that the, all of the production shots look like it's Kate at university. None of it looks like the Duchess of Cambridge. Like none of that looks... Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll definitely be here to talk about it. That's for sure. All right. So this is our Thanksgiving episode. So we are going to go through and say what we're grateful for. Um, I think my first one that I'm grateful for is I'm grateful that I had so many cool opportunities to work this year. I did not expect that. And I have never had back-to-back contracts like that. So it was really cool. And I'm very grateful that I got to do that and meet so many different people and like leave with – I'm not somebody who had – a really strong support system within the business. A lot of my friends, like my really close friends were outside of it. And I feel like that's really shifting. So I'm very grateful for that. That's my first one. My first one is the amount of travel I've done. I was thinking about it. I was like, oh my God, I've done a lot this year. Like LA, Italy, New York, Nashville. And then I'm going back to LA in December. Um, and just being able to experience new things and with friends or by myself. Um, I know a lot of people don't get a chance to do that or even get to travel that much in a year in general. So I'm grateful to have been able to do it and have the funds to do it. So um, I am real. So on the last episode, I said that I was newly dating someone. Well, that fell apart very quickly. Um, so I am very grateful for that experience because – it was like my first experience where I really – with a guy that I was seeing who I really stuck up for myself and in the conversation and I really felt like I left the conversation with him where we like sort of ended things. Well, we did end things, not sort of. Um, I felt like I really – left that conversation being like, uh, like in the past when I've done that, like I've had really bad anxiety and have, it's gotten in the way of me, like being able to say how I feel or, or like how, what the other person's actions have made me feel, et cetera. And I've always sort of left the conversation and then like, been like, Oh, I wish I had said this or, and this time it, I didn't have that. So I'm grateful for this experience because I feel like I can step into whatever my next relationship is like even clearer on what I want in a partner and a, and a hopeful, like serious relationship. And I think any step like that in, in in the next direction is a good one. So I'm excited. I'm like hopeful, which is not what I expected, but I'm grateful that it happened, even though it really hurt. (laughs) Great. I mean, not great that it happened, but yeah. (laughs) No, but honestly great that it happened because if it didn't happen, I would still be looking to that person to and I, I'm glad that I'm not. Anymore. Yeah. And that is a thank you next. Um, Period. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
I just remember of Hocus Pocus when they're like turning into dust and Mary's like, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> I quote Hocus Pocus literally like just on the daily. Like it is one of my favorite movies. Um, I second, I think uh, my friends, I know it's cliche, but the older you get, the more you really realize like your friends like the people that you have sur- you're you're surrounded with whether they live close by or they're out of town or i think friendship doesn't matter if you have one or two three doesn't matter how big i think as you get older your circle gets smaller it's very very true um so i'm just grateful that i have friends to just be delusional with and <laughs> delulu delulu um, and hey, it, it worked for Travis. Um, so yeah, stay Delulu. That's what I say. Stay Delulu <laughs> is the way to, way to go. Um, so yeah, those are <laughs> our title of the episode is stay Delulu. <laughs> it has to be. Um, but yeah, uh, my friends, my final thing that I'm grateful for is my mom. She is, she, so you know how I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you feel this way too. Like my mom is um, – my father died when I was 18, so my mom has sort of been sort of, in my opinion, like for me, like frozen in time a little bit. And she's not old by any means. She's like 68. She's And she's in wonderful health, like thank God. Um, but recently I've like been looking at her and being like, wow, like you're starting to look older. And it's sort of like – I feel like the seal is broken a little bit. And it like makes me really sad because – why am I going to cry? Um, because she's the best. And like when you lose a parent – you like are always afraid of the other shoe dropping. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm just really grateful that like I have time with her and like that she's here and that like she gets to be here for me and I get to be there for her and we get to share in this space together. And, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful that she's here and she's healthy. Um, wow. I did not expect to get emotional, but here we are. Happy Thanksgiving. Please start talking. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, I'm grateful. I think the things I once wanted, I don't want anymore. Or it's not necessarily I don't want. I'm just glad I don't have them yet. I or that version of it. Ooh, I love that. You know, because you're grateful you didn't get what you thought you wanted. Correct. I think so much. You know, when you try so hard, you try to go after something, and it just does not fit. Like it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and it just does not work. And and you start, the older you get, you start to realize that you're really made very specifically and certain things are just not going to be for you. And whether it's relationships, opportunities, whatever, lifestyle, you know, I thought I would at I would get married at like 23. Girl, same. Um, and looking back at 23, I was like, who's marrying that girl? Because I wouldn't marry me. I'd be divorced. If I got married at 23, divorced. I'd be divorced. So it's like looking at things that I thought I wanted at a certain age or a certain time. We tell ourselves this made up story that we think we have to have A, a B, and C, which it doesn't exist. Well, we're con- conditioned also. By yeah, society. we're conditioned, but it's not, there's nowhere in. Like even, you know, I'm very deeply into my faith. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to be married no. by a certain time. No. Like, so um, so I'm grateful that I am where I'm at, but that doesn't mean I want to stay here. Just want to make that clear. Um, I, I think it's important to dream, but also know that like it is okay not to be where everyone else is. Um, and I think I can get myself caught up into like the aesthetics of it all and, you know, the look of things and, but not really knowing like, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side or, you know, but it's where you water it as cheesy as it sounds. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm grateful that I am not where I thought I wanted to be and knowing that, everything happens for a reason and incorrect timing. Yes. 
Agreed. Well, I think on that note, that's everything for this episode. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. We're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for our community and we're so grateful for our listeners. Thanks for showing up with us and for your patience as we navigated things this year. Um, I can't believe we're coming up on almost a year of doing this. It's wild. Like wild. Wild, but like so grateful for all of it, honestly. It's been like starting this podcast, at least for me, was such an exercise in just like leaping and the net will appear, which is not something I've ever really done. I, I, I really can't remember a time where I really did that. So it was like it's been a huge step forward, at least for me, in terms of like my growth as a person. Um, and so, and what, and like troubleshooting it and like accepting that it's not going to be perfect and we're going to mess up and we're going to have to figure it out and it's going to be messy and hard and, and whatever. But, um, I've been so grateful for like the lessons that come with starting a venture and letting it be a mess and figuring it out. So we're so grateful for you and we love you guys. Um, if you want to follow the show, you can follow us at she wakes up at 5am podcast on Instagram. And if you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at Kellyanne DeCarlo, K-E-L-L-I-A-N-N. And you can follow me at Lindsay underscore E underscore white. And I think that's everything. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, you guys. Love ya. Bye. Thanks for being with us this week. Follow us on Instagram at She Wakes Up at 5 a.m. podcast. And if you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to rate and subscribe to us so that you never miss an episode. Special thanks to Red Brandt for our theme song. Be sure to find more of his work on Instagram at R-E-D-D-B-R-A-N-D-T. See you next time.